Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including uh, interviews with Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about our current uh, economic rights. We'll visit with Andrew Jopp, a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is December the 21st, and on this day in 1988, Pan Am Flight 103 from London to New York exploded in midair over Lockerbie, Scotland, killing all 243 passengers and 16 crew members aboard, as well as 11 Lockerbie residents on the ground. A bomb hidden inside the audio cassette player detonated in the cargo area when the plane was at an altitude of 31,000 feet. The disaster, which became the subject of Britain's largest criminal investigation, was believed to be an attack against the United States. 189 of the victims were American. Islamic terrorists were accused of planting the bomb on the plane while it was in the airport in Frankfurt, Germany. Authorities suspected the attack was in retaliation for either the 1986 U.S. airstrikes against Libya, in which Muhammad Gaddafi's young daughter was killed along with dozens of other people, or a 1988 incident in which the U.S. mistakenly shot down an Iran air commercial flight over the Persian Gulf, killing 290 people. Sixteen days before the explosion at Lockerbie, the U.S. Embassy in Helsinki, Finland, received a call warning that a bomb would be placed on a Pan Am flight out of Frankfurt. There's controversy of how seriously the U.S. took the threat and whether travelers should have been alerted, but officials later said the connection between the call and the bomb was coincidental. That's uh, government speak, by the way. In 1991, following a joint investigation by the British authorities and the FBI, two Libyan intelligence agents were indicted for murder. However, Libya refused to hand over the suspects to the U.S. Finally, in 1999, in an effort to ease United Nations sanctions against the country, Gaddafi agreed to turn over the two men to Scotland for trial in the Netherlands using Scottish law and prosecutors. In early 2001, one was convicted and sentenced to life in prison, and the other was acquitted over the U.S. government's objections. One, Al Megheri, was freed and returned to Libya in August of 2009 after doctors determined that he had only months to live. In December 2020, reports surfaced that the U.S. Justice Department would unseal criminal charges against another suspect in the bombing. In 2003, Libya accepted responsibility for the bombing but did not express remorse. The U.N. and the U.S. lifted sanctions against Libya, and Libya agreed to pay each victim approximately $8 million in restitution. That would be to their families. In 2004, Libyan prime minister said the deal was the price for peace, implying that the country only took responsibility to get the sanctions lifted, a statement that infuriated the victims' families. Pan Am Airlines, which went bankrupt three years after the bombing, sued Libya and later received $30 million in the settlement. In December 2022, uh, the U.S. Justice Department announced Al Abu Ghali Mohammed Massoud was arrested by the FBI for his suspected role in the bombing. That on this day. Also today is winter solstice, officially at 448 this afternoon. It's the beginning of winter and the shortest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. I'm so grateful for you, for our listeners, and our advertisers who support the show. And uh, now at the shortest day of the year, we can look forward to new beginnings, uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, and uh, the beginning of a new year. Well, 13 members of Congress, including three Florida representatives, sent a letter to Senate Republicans urging them to stop the omnibus spending bill. U.S. Representative Byron Donalds, Matt Gates, and incoming Anna Paula Luna signed the letter in which they shared our social media by its U.S. Representative Chip Roy from Texas. We're obliged to inform you that if any omnibus bill passes in the remaining days of Congress, we will oppose and whip opposition to any legislative priority of the senators who vote for this bill, including the Republican leader, 
the letter said. The $1.7 trillion spending package includes another large round of aid to Ukraine, a nearly 10% boost in defense spending, and roughly $40 billion to assist communities across the country recovering from drought, hurricanes, and natural disasters, according to the report. The bill also includes $45 million in emergency assistance to Ukraine, according to Patrick Leahy, a senator, uh, the Democratic chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee. This would be the largest amount of financial assistance that would be sent to Ukraine to date. Finalizing the omnibus bill is critical, absolutely critical, for supporting our friends in Ukraine, said Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Uh, U.S. Senator Rick Scott opposed the legislation, saying it's a massive inflation bomb written in secret so that no one can read it, citing the 4,700 page, pages that have not been read. Going along with it isn't going to help anyone back home. It's going to put people uh, put the people first, said Donalds. It's time to put people first, said Donalds. No more status quo, no more bad deals, no more screwing over our nation, he said in another tweet. Amer- Amen, stand up for America, wrote Luna. I stand with Chip Roy, said Gates. Uh, Democrat Senate Appropriations uh, Chairman Pat Leahy said that passing the omnibus bill, appropriation bill, is uh, undoubtedly in the interest of the American people. The choice is clear. We can either do our jobs and fund the government, or we can abandon our responsibilities without a real path forward, he said. Reports said the legislation also includes revisions to the federal election law that aims to prevent any future presidents or election uh, presidential candidates from trying to overturn the election. Uh, that's a whole nother discussion. The bill also reportedly off, uh, orders the uh, Office of Management and Budget and the General Secure Services Administration to create guidelines for executive agencies to remove TikTok from the agent government devices. If lawmakers don't pass the bill before midnight on Friday, they risk a partial government shutdown. Do you remember the last government shutdowns we had? Did you suffer any kind of negative consequences? I certainly didn't. And uh, things went on. Uh, in my opinion, if we just don't do anything and wait until January 3rd, we can pick up this issue again and allow the American people, they put the people in office in order to make these decisions. And this omnibus bill makes absolutely no sense right now. It's a power grab by uh, the Democrats who are leaving power. Well, global coal use hits an all-time high, and this according to an analysis. In 2022, high natural gas prices led to significant fuel switching to coal in electricity generation in Europe, although both gas and coal generation increased as the growth of the wind and uh, solar was insufficient to to offset lower hydro and nuclear power output. Coal power generation will rise in a new to a new record in 2022, surpassing the 2021 levels. This is driven by robust coal power growth in India and European Union, and by small increases in China. And it comes despite a decline in in the United States. In simple English. What this profoundly embarrassing report is telling us is that because of the left's lunatic war on production of gas, natural gas, one of the cleanest and cheapest forms of electric power generation, the price of natural gas surged in 2022 in almost all parts of the world. As a result, a wave of businesses and homeowners in Europe and elsewhere moved away from clean burning gas to more competitively priced alternatives, chiefly coal, even though coal is dirtier. Coal use is also up because the left also hates nuclear power, which emits close to zero greenhouse gases. In other words, despite spending hundreds of billions of dollars subsidizing fringe energy resources like wind and solar power, the world is nevertheless burning record amounts of coal. Never before in world history has so much government money been spent and wasted to accomplish the precise opposite of what was intended, a lowered carbon atmosphere it's likely they grabbed the football and ran in the wrong end <laughs> to the wrong end zone. Just amazing stuff. It's really pathetic, especially when the very premise of climate change, which is uh, carbon-based uh, fuels are bad, they're not. They create carbon dioxide, uh, which is plant food for the universe. 
Well, the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia issued a report on second quarter 2022 jobs last week, and they found in the aggregate 10,500 new jobs were added during the period rather than 1,121,500 jobs estimated by the sum of the states. The U.S. CES estimated new growth of 1,047,000 jobs for the period. In the lead-up to the November midterms, the Biden administration, including the president himself, loudly promoted the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, figures as uh, signs of positive trend in the economy under his leadership. In light, light of the soft, oft-repeated Democrat campaign line, some Republicans have leveled accusations against the government of manipulating its data to favor the incumbent party. Florida Republican Senator Rick Scott, for example, outright accused Biden of lying and demanding a meeting with the head of the Bureau of Labor Statistics to resolve the alleged discrepancy. Wronged by millions of jobs, Joe Biden's administration has been lying to the American people about our economy to prop up his failed agenda, and I won't stand for it, said uh, Scott, Rick Scott. I'm requesting an immediate meeting with the heads of the Bureau of Labor Statistics. We need answers now, said Scott. So uh, the uh, op- apparent overstatement of job numbers has raised doubt about the veracity of the federal statistics at a time when such questions are already mounting over significant errors in the United States census, which led to more favorable redistricting figures for Democrats. Uh, the U.S. census uh, significantly overcounted the populations of traditionally Democrat strongholds while undercounting Republican ones, thereby affecting the reapportionment of the electoral votes in congressional delegations. Well, I tell you, they're really good at lying and stealing, aren't they? It's just unbelievable. And they did it in the census, and now they're making up numbers in order to support the midterm elections. Arizona Republican Attorney General candidate Abe Hamadah Uh, His election challenge will proceed to trial after an Arizona judge denied Democrat Attorney General-elect Chris May's motion for dismissal. In the Tuesday ruling, Mojave County Superior Court Judge Lee Jansen uh, did dismiss five of Hamada's counts but allowed his other claims to proceed to an evidentiary hearing scheduled for December 23rd. Presently, Hamada trials trails Mays by 511 votes. Jansen notes that in the ruling that this case is different from other election challenges taking place because the plaintiff is not alleging political motives or fraud or personal agendas being pushed. It's simply alleging misconduct by mistake or omission by elected officials led to erroneous count of votes and which would uh, true have come led to an uncertain result. The Republicans asserted the rampant uh, voting irregularities, such as a printer malfunctions, may have affected the outcome of the contest in which became uh, Arizona's closest statewide race in history. Hamadah previously filed a challenge, though the judge dismissed it because it was too early. Uh, Jansen's ruling follows a similar legal win for Arizona Republican gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, whose own election challenge will proceed to trial as well. Unlike Hamadah, Lake has alleged intentional misconduct, and the judge has required her to prove that errors occurred intentionally and afflicted and affected the final outcome of the race. So interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this all turns out. Legal challenges to the election results in Arizona. This could be a game changer, quite frankly, in a number of ways. We're also seeing a review of the results in Pennsylvania from the 2020 elections and results in other states as well. It's about time that we took a look at some of these, what I consider to be uh, unlawful elections. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lula Bee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new refreshing social networking platform and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us coming up we're going to visit with professor andrew joppa right now we have with us bob levy chairman emeritus of the cato institute bob thank you so much for joining us pleasure to be with you bob thank you bob tell us about the cato institute we are a libertarian think tank headquartered in washington dc and devoted to Private property, free markets, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. So we've been talking about the economic liberties in our last uh, interview, in our last discussion, and some of the cases that the Supreme Court has been made changes in uh, actually government regulations. So I know the Institute for Justice specializes in economic liberty cases, and you are on the Institute's board for many years. Can you tell us about any recent cases of interest? There is a uh, case uh, that got some notoriety. It was a challenge to the National Organ Transplant Act called Flynn versus Holder. Uh, every year, nearly 3,000 Americans die because they can't find a matching bone marrow donor, and the minorities are hit especially hard. So, you know, common sense would suggest that if you offer modest incentives to attract more donors, that would be worth pursuing. But federal law made that a felony. Uh, it could be punished by up to five years in prison. Hmm. So the National Organ Transplant Act that was passed in 1984, it treats compensation to bone marrow donors as though this was some kind of black market organ sale. <laughs> Giving a college student a scholarship, if, he, if the student donates marrow, could land everybody, including the doctors, the nurses, the donors, and the patients in federal prison. And the Institute for Justice sued to stop that. So how did the case turn out? I.J. argued that this act, uh, the criminal ban, violates equal protection because it arbitrarily treats bone marrow like the same as, as solid organs like kidneys or lungs, which makes no sense because bone marrow unlike um, solid organs, uh, replenishes itself in just a few weeks mm -hmm. after it's donated. So the closest comparison is actually blood, which is also self-replenishing, and you can compensate for blood uh, donations. 
So the Ninth Circuit Appellate Court ruled in our favor, holding that this act, this ban on donor compensation doesn't apply to uh, the most common method for donating bone marrow. And the victory became final, and it became a new tool in the in the fight against this deadly disease when uh, then Attorney General Holder decided he would not appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. I don't think he wanted a loss at the high court. Uh, then in 2013, a year after this victory, uh, Health and Human Services drafted a new rule that was designed to circumvent uh, that victory. Uh, the Institute for Justice fought that, and the new rule was finally withdrawn a few years ago. I don't know how you defend uh, something like that. That's uh, and I'm talking about the the uh, creating or trying to do circumvent the, uh, the Supreme Court decision, but. Uh, Sometimes is it well anyhow? Let's. How about another Institute for Justice case that received a good deal of press coverage? The case about the Benedictine monks who wanted to sell caskets. Yeah, this was a challenge to Louisiana's uh, casket cartel. <clears throat> the case arose when the brothers of the Saint Joseph Abbey, which is a century-old uh, Benedictine monastery in uh, Louisiana, began to sell their handmade. <clears throat> wooden caskets to support uh, their educational and health care uh, activities. And the state board moved to shut down this uh, fledgling business before the, the, the monks were even able to sell one casket because it was a crime in Louisiana for anybody but a government-licensed f- funeral director to sell caskets uh, to the public. So the monks and the Institute for Justice brought suit in federal court on the ground that this arbitrary restriction served no legitimate public purpose. And it it existed only to protect the uh, funeral director cartel from competition. So we won in the Court of Appeals, and then in a landmark uh, unanimous decision, the court said, and this is a quote, the great deference due to state economic regulation does not require courts to accept nonsensical explanations for regulation. So that that's one of a handful of federal appellate decisions since the New Deal to protect these economic liberties, which is basically the right to earn an honest living uh, under the weight of government licensing rules that create barriers to entry and, and actually suppress uh, competition. And the Supreme Court rejected Louisiana's petition to review the case. So the Fifth Circuit's holding is a final holding and can now be used as legitimate uh, precedent for future cases. So what's the rationale for loosening occupational licensing restrictions? Well, I think if there's one economic principle that <clears throat> that, that uh, liberals and conservatives and libertarians uh, should agree on, it's that competition is good and government-supported private monopoly is uh, is bad. So that, that principle is the driving force behind the effort to overturn uh, these uh, licensing requirements. And by the way, there are a couple dozen of them in in Florida. And among the vocations uh, that we hope will get deregulated completely are hair braiders and ballroom dance studios and interior designers. And not surprisingly, some of those vocations resist that effort because all too often uh, the, the only real function of these regulations is to protect members of the regulated industry from new competition uh, by erecting these barriers to entry. So dishing out these sort of economic benefits uh, to loyal supporters, that may be what politicians do, but it really does impose substantial costs on the rest of us. And by eliminating these uh, economic uh, opportunities, uh, it drives up prices for consumers and it limits the uh, the roads that are open to entrepreneurs. And no question. I recall reading in the paper a story about uh, a raid on a barber shop in Orlando <laughs> to, to see if the barbers were licensed <laughs> and taking a couple of guys away in handcuffs. It's just totally absurd. I mean, if kid thinks, he, hey, Dad, you want me to cut your hair, and he, all of a sudden he develops some skills, he should go out and open his business. You're not protecting the public by licensing Barbers. Right. If there was a legitimate health and safety reason, when the when the regulations are too are truly necessary, even libertarians 
uh, which support restrictions. But but the position, our position is pretty straightforward. Yeah. If the regulators can show that these unlicensed p- uh, practitioners, uh, when compared to licensed counterparts, engage in some kind of deceptive practice where they violate some health and safety rules, then government intervention is justified. But in fact, <clears throat> these concerns are really more often a pretext. It's just protectionist uh, uh, regulation to support the existing industry as as compared to people that would like to enter into the industry. Absolutely. Can can you give us an example? Is is there another example of unnecessary licensing in Florida? Yeah, <laughs> interior designers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Under the uh, state, uh, until the state revised uh, the regs in a couple of years ago, this the state required would be interior designers to obtain a college degree. Uh, from an accredited program with a two-year apprenticeship and a, and a licensing exam at the end. So th- those requirements were billed as a uh, safeguard against incompetence. <clears throat> but 60% of Florida's 2,500 state-licensed uh, designers were grandfathered in without any uh, credentials. <clears throat> and if the practice of uh, interior design really needed to be regulated, and that was uh, news to 47 other states that, uh, that, that had no licensing uh, prerequisites. The state had no evidence that the unregulated practice of interior design, you know, where to place a pillow and what color a, uh, a blanket ought to be, uh, presented any bona fide public welfare uh, concern. So this was all, again, just protecting entrenched uh, interests by manipulating the law, consorting with members of the legislature and their staffs and the best lobbying firms that money can buy, special interest legislation to advance private interests of uh, people that have a little bit of political clout. And that's how monopoly power is really born and nurtured at uh, public expense. The government really has no business enacting this arbitrary regulations to protect this uh, these privileged uh, companies. And the, the effect is higher prices and fewer choices and fewer new firms that are started by emerging uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah. Great example, Bob. And uh, you know, it makes me wonder if all these regulations assured us that these people that got licensed and going through the testing process were actually had good taste. Probably not. Right. <laughs> I'll believe you again. Chairman of the uh, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute, CATO.org is the website. Bob, really appreciate your commentary here on the show, and happy holidays to you and yours. Thanks so much for joining us. And to you too, Bob. Good to be with you. You as well. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josefa Savaz. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. 
That's 239-938-7700 or visit hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show, providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So I'd just be real curious now. The uh, January 6th committee has ended their investigation into President Trump. I would just appreciate your comments and thoughts about what happened. Well, I'll, I'll talk about it, but I have the obligatory, the, the good news uh, part of our show, Bob. So right, right. let me just see. My, my voice is really hoarse this morning, so I'll, I'll try to get through it. Let, let me just first mention to you and your audience, Merry Christmas. Um, it's, it's amazing that it's, it's rolled around so quickly. Excuse me one second, Bob. Yeah. <clears throat> I apologize. For no that. worries. Uh, in my whole life, uh, I have not missed Christmas at home, Bob, and that includes uh, being away at college, four years in a service, one year in Vietnam, and the way the timing worked out, I never missed a Christmas at home. So, uh, and it's always been the most significant uh, day in uh, in our holiday year. So uh, here it is again. It's uh, it's back, and I, I look forward to it every year, Bob. Well, congratulations to you. It's, pretty, it's a great time of year, and I think of this right now. Today is the uh, uh, winter solstice. It's the shortest day of the year at 4.48 this afternoon, by the way. And uh, just, But for me, it represents new beginnings. It's just the whole nature, nature of uh, things beginning anew and great opportunities. Well, I, I would, you know, since no one knows the birth date of, of Christ, uh, I think they assigned it uh, December 25th for exactly that reason, mm-hmm. because the day it is historically represented that day of new birth, the day when the, when the sun re- returns and starts to head back to its zenith. So uh, not this is not a challenge to Christianity, obviously. Uh, but again, without knowing the date, I think this is why uh, early Christians, uh, or eventually Christians, chose December 25th, Bob. Absolutely. So uh, any other good news, by the way? Well, there, there is a good news story, and I, I don't know how much to make of it. But in a recent book about Joe Biden, it was uh, revealed uh, that Joe Bi- Biden was... Uh, uh, found the note left by Donald Trump when he left the White House, which is sort of a uh, matter of form for outgoing presidents. Right. But he said it was shockingly gracious. Now, um, Trump indicated that he, he wished Biden good luck, and uh, he said it came from his heart because he really wanted to see him do well. That is what Trump indicated. And apparently, by the remarks in the book about Biden, that was uh, true to the largest extent. Uh, at some point in time, we, we have to start uh, the world. I, I've always recognized, but the world has to start to recognize but that Donald Trump is a gracious man. He's a good man who has uh, gone out of his way to try to be uh, the best he can be, and I think this note to Biden indicates that uh, to a certain extent. I'm not trying to make more of it than it was, but I think it, it is indicative of the type of man that Donald Trump is, Bob. I uh, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And I think he, uh, right now, if he wished uh, Biden well, in his, uh, he, Biden has just been such a disappointment. He's lied. He's uh, he created false promises. He just, he, just uh, he lacks character. Well, you know, when, when Trump has lamented the loss of the 2020 elections, and of course they always say that's because of Trump's ego, certainly it was not that. Trump clearly understood that the loss in 2020 would portend uh, some very serious downturns in all areas of American life, and, and certainly that's, that's come to pass. So this, this notion that Trump's challenge in the election was merely because Trump's ego was offended yeah. is absurd. Well, he was dealing with, first of all, that election and its extended implication, and secondarily, Bob, uh, the implication that that election had for future elections, which we might have seen very dramatically in the, in the results of 2022. So I, I think we have to begin to understand the, the nature of, of what Trump is about. Uh, he is knowledgeable about the uh, implication of events, uh, and he reacts to those. So uh, that is, I think, one of his very best uh, identifying characteristics, Bob. Well, that and he's got tough skin. <laughs> he's just... that, that, 
is absolutely essential for a man like Donald Trump. Yeah, you, you can tell he's over the target because people are just, they just get Trump derangement syndrome so badly they can't even function. It's unbelievable. It's, it's absolutely amazing. <clears throat> you know, and I, I think we have to begin to realize, and I, I've, I had no problem realizing this, but uh, when, the, when the left is so committed to damaging Donald Trump, when they almost uh, dedicate all of their time and their focus and their energy on doing one thing, and that's destroying Donald Trump. I think we have to at least bring into this discussion that we should consider uh, not doing what the enemy wants us to do, which is to eliminate Trump's candidacy in 2024. So I'm, I'm not going to make a, a strong pitch at this moment for, for Donald Trump. You know how I admire the man. Uh, but on the other hand, I think other Americans who are debating whether they should support Trump have to understand that the left sees Trump as the only barrier uh, to their success. They see Trump, they saw him that way in, uh, in 2020. Uh, they see him again in 2024. Now, when the left sees only one thing that can get in the way of their nefarious schemes, and that's Donald Trump, I think we have to give stronger consideration to supporting, in totality, the candidacy of Donald Trump in 2024, Bob. Yeah, my retort would uh, simply be this, that uh, I say let's uh, have primaries, let's have primary debates, let's go through the process. It could be messy, and I understand that, but I think it'll be good for the party. I think it'll be good for the candidates and may the best men or women win. Uh, that said, I think Trump is probably going to emerge as the winner. Well, you might be right about the positive implication of it. I'm not that convinced. I'm not negative about it. They're primary challenges. But uh, on the other hand, I, I think it could get um, to a point where the Republicans self-destruct uh, on the primary platform. So, and again, I'm not necessarily making that point, but I think that potential exists as well as the positive outcome. You know, a lot of my good news today, Bob, comes, uh, I think, surprisingly from what starts out as perhaps bad news stories. What I'm seeing is more and more uh, absurdity from the left, and I'm optimistic. No, that's too strong a word. I am hopeful that the, the absurdity of the left becomes so profound that even the most recalcitrant leftists uh, will essentially begin to understand uh, that their, their party is, is insane and the supporters of that party are insane. Uh, let, let's take an example at Stanford University uh, that has now um, called the use of the word American, referring to the United States citizens, as a harmful word. Yeah. Now, this has been... Uh, advocated by Stanford because it diminishes the other countries in North and South America. Perhaps Stanford didn't notice, Bob, that there's only one of those countries that has the word America in its name. Yeah. So therefore, the referral, uh, the reference to um, uh, United States citizens as Americans is a derivative of the name of America. It isn't some laudatory comment that's being uh, inappropriately injected. Colombia, Brazil, Argentina, you name the list, they don't have the word American. So uh, again, this seems like a minor point. Uh, in itself, it is. But I think it's this ongoing process of trying to, in any way possible, diminish the nature uh, of, of America and, as an extension, what it's represented to the world. You know, I, I just read a quotation from uh, the English monk from the middle part of the first millennium, the Venerable, the Venerable Bede, when he said, when Rome falls, the whole world will fall. Now, what that means to me is, that in, in, in translating it to the uh, modern era, is when America falls, the whole world will fall. And I've made reference to that in several of my essays, that not only will the destruction of America, in, in, in figurative destruction of America, be significant to the citizens of America, but by extended implication, will have serious impact across the globe. So I think that is what the, the bead was talking about uh, in regard to Rome. It is what I'm talking about uh, as an implication of, of damaging America. Uh, another uh, part well, Andy, of this, if I may interrupt for just a I'm moment. Sorry, Bob, I uh, want to say something. Yeah, I just want to uh, say that we need to take a little bit of a commercial break. Can you stick around? I will. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay 
Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're uh, uh, brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Andy. So I want to get your thoughts about uh, the completion of the January 6th farce, kangaroo court, or whatever you want to call it. What are, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, the I guess the, the final outcome it was uh, criminal referrals to the um, Attorney General's Office, Department of Justice, uh, in regards to certain actions taken by, by Donald Trump uh, as they pertain to January 6th. Now, the absurdity of this cannot be overstated, and I think we can almost prove the absurdity of this. One of the things that was attached to the omnibus uh, spelling bill, uh, spending bill, $1.7 trillion omnibus uh, spending bill, were changes to the uh, election laws, and they indicated it was because, uh, to prevent uh, anyone like a President Trump from doing what he did on January 6th. Now, the implication of this, regardless of how anyone felt about those actions, is they're saying his actions were legal. Therefore, we have to change the law uh, to make them illegal. So obviously, to bring criminal charges for an act that they have, by their nature, by their, by their actions, have defined as being legal is, uh, again, uh, absurd on its face. Uh, this has always been political. It's always been the theater of the absurd. Um, it, it has no traction except on, on the left. Um, if, if Trump was to be indicted, uh, which I don't think will happen, by the way, I think Garland will, I hope he has the wisdom not to indict. But he was ever, if he was ever indicted and convicted, as, as Trump says, he would become a martyr to the American people. Right. I have no way of anticipating the actions that might uh, ensue if Donald Trump was ever put in orange prison garb and taken away. I, I would be, uh, I have no idea how outraged anyone else would be, but I know I would be outraged to the point of I, I don't know what actually. Yeah, I understand, but, you know, uh, I, I would like to underscore this one point. I mean, uh, Mike Pence said he did what was right. Well, in my opinion, why would they appoint in the Constitution the Vice President of the United States to, to uh, uh handle the proceedings of counting the electoral votes that is a you know the, the founders understood there can be chicanery there can be problems with the elections they put them in that place an important position not to handle some sort of ministerial uh counting of the votes but to challenge 
uh, problems when they exist. For example, Pennsylvania didn't follow the law. They, they did not follow what the Constitution demands, which they have uh, lawful review of uh, the uh, votes and the counts. So to, in my mind, I think that's probably the, one of the biggest problems. And for that reason, I think they should keep the system exactly the way it is. Well, but that's one of the changes that is, has been inserted through the omnibus bill is the uh, reduction of any potential, the re- elimination, let's say, of any potential role of the of the uh, the vice president in terms of these matters. Now, as you just indicated, uh, they, they keep saying Trump wanted to overturn the election. He certainly never wanted to overturn it in the sense of, uh, of eliminating a, a result. What he was trying to do, per se, was to return these back into the constitutionally mandated legal process right. to have it evaluated primarily in the area of the state legislatures. It's a very simple, constitutionally required uh, maneuver, uh, and yet uh, that, that is what uh, Pence refused to do. So uh, this is what created the anger of, of Trump towards, uh, towards Pence. It was based on his failure to fulfill a constitutionally required mandate as it pertains to the election. And I think you've just highlighted that with with your comments. Yeah, and uh, I think Pence proved, uh, among other things, that he is a bureaucrat. He's certainly not a leader. Uh, So uh, he he failed us in so many different ways. I think he'll turn out to be a footnote in in the whole story of history here. Before we take a break, just want to get your thoughts on electric vehicles. Ah, electric vehicles. Now, this is a... uh, to me, a growing problem, and one that, if it's fully manifest, I think could be one of the more destructive things to impact on Western civilization. Um, I, I've set up some potentials, and I have no way of proving per se. I think by inference, they, they can be presumed to be logically true. But I think there must be some degree of collusion with the entirety of the automobile industry. A collusion is a combined activity of competitors, generally to the detriment of the, cu- of the customer or the user. Huh. Uh, so I think we can see that kind of collusion uh, taking place between the automobile manufacturers uh, and perhaps the United States government or larger uh, global organizations uh, that, uh, that may be looking for more, uh, more uh, worldwide global activity. Uh, so I think there's a collusion that's taking place with the federal government of this country, perhaps uh, as a commitment to the government's position on climate change. Uh, I think it may also be a collusive process uh, in terms of those advocating for wealth distribution. Because if you look at the sites needed for the metals, the enormous amount of new metal access that will have to be found, much of this comes from areas like the Congo, Chile, uh, Argentina, Brazil. It comes from those countries that could be seriously helped uh, if there were dramatic increases in the amount of, of mining extract from their countries. So it may be a collusion of that sort, or in the more dire sense, what kind of collusion might, might we be seeing? A collusion with China. Almost all of the words intimidate, caught the metal intimidate, comes from China. It is impossible to make uh, the amount of, of uh, car batteries that would be needed in a full uh, uh, turnover to the electric vehicle concept uh, without uh, having China be the almost the entire source of one of the major metals that are needed. Now, it, they, they indicate they, uh, that somehow these are in great demand by the, by the public. I have seen none of that. Right. At this point, Bob, only 1% of the automobiles in America are electric, and we've had the promotion of these vehicles now for probably starting 10 years ago, but certainly significantly in the last five. They have no popular traction. The average income of the family that is buying an electric vehicle because of their tremendous price is $140,000 as the average family income. Uh, the average family income in America is, is approximately $60,000. So these cars are not uh, being offered to the benefit of the customer. Uh, they, uh, there's no way of truly measuring the environmental, indirect environmental, environmental impact that these automobiles may have by the necessary expansion of the electric grid. 
with that having been said, the price of electricity going up, we can see that uh, the prices have gone up nationwide, and we're going to see those escalating even higher now with the uh, with the cold snap that's that's hitting a, a large portion of America. So these these electric vehicles, I, I've, I've I've been in one. They're they're fun to be in. They're fun to drive. But in terms of them turning into a an absolute necessity by shutting down internal combustion production. Uh, engine production is absolutely not only absurd, it is extremely dangerous in terms of the implications it offers the world, Bob. Yeah, no, there's no question about it, Andy. And, and from what I see, I reported earlier in the show that we've seen an increase in the use of coal around the world because... <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know where where uh, these cars get fuel, how they ended up uh, getting their batteries charged? Well, they use electricity. And what does electricity use? It uses coal. <laughs> so, the total absurdity of the entire thing is crazy. Andy, we'll need to take another little quick break. Can you stick around? Yeah, I know you have to go as well. I'll be here. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I privately serve on the board, creating policies and programs, among other things, to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, vfga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Andy. Hey, we're hearing more and more about the desire to create, to provide reparations for those who were related to slaves. It's, to me, just a total absurdity. We're responsible for our own actions, not those of those that preceded us. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's basically paying money to people who, who don't deserve it from people who haven't caused the problem. It's uh, on its, And by the way, its, its focus point is California. California had uh, no slavery at all. I mean, so here you have a state that didn't have slavery going to take money from people who didn't have anything to do with slavery and giving it to people who were not impacted by slavery. The concept on its face is, is absurd, obviously. I have a few more comments to make about that. I just wanted to return to uh, EVs just for one second sure. before I do that, because I, I think these numbers are significant for your audience to hear. Uh, the, the numbers here are if the United States converted half of their present cars, half, Two being electric vehicles, not worldwide, the United States, one half. What would have to happen? 
They have to increase the world's current cobalt production by nine times. They have to increase the uh, neodymium uh, output by four times, the lithium production by three times, copper production by two times. If one half the cars in the United States became EV, those are the dramatic increases that would have to take place in the mining of these substances with the, the environmental damage that is always attendant uh, to extensive, extensive mining. So, I mean, these numbers, just a half of the cars in the United States, to me, are just uh, uh, amazing in their implications. So uh, I think they're worth somebody should consider those type of numbers, Bob. Well, it's certainly not going to be this administration because they're uh, Johnny One Note. They just continue to, to harp on the same things, including uh, vaccines and so forth. They, they they're not thinking things through. It's all politics. It's got nothing to do with policy. Yeah, well, let me, as you're sort of hinting in that area, let, let me just make one point about this omnibus bill, which is going to be through 2023. Uh, and there's been, I think, 12 or 13 Republican senators who have voted to approve this. Uh, the absurdity of that again can't be overstated. What that'll do is lock in all of the issues uh, entirely for 2023 during the first year of a Republican takeover of the House. Uh, That is to be uh, not acceptable uh, for these senators to have voted for it, I think shows uh, a total lack of understanding of why they're even aired in the Senate. Uh, so there is a pushback from the House. Many members of the House, probably primarily the Freedom Caucus, are saying they will significantly resist all legislation coming out of those senators who supported the omnibus bill, Bob. Which is a good thing. I mean, it's the, the, you know, you've been through government shutdowns where they only keep essential workers. And by the way, why do we have anybody but essential workers in the federal government? That's another question. <laughs> but, but the point being is that if we had a shutdown, well, somehow, some way, of course, the Treasury Department would figure out some way to continue, put together bailing wire or whatever, and keep the government going for, uh, up until January 3rd, when, in fact, we could have a real discussion around how we move forward with our uh, with with our budget and well, well, that's exactly what Kevin McCarthy is suggesting just to uh, to to pass a short-term uh, spending um, allowance uh, and then have a full debate with the new with the new house and new senate uh, sitting uh, at that point in time this is so obviously appropriate uh, to look at Graham and Collins and uh, and Portman and all of these uh, the republican senators that voted to support this uh, has caused outrage in the house and among other senators such as uh, as as uh, uh, Rand Paul who finds it just uh, absurd that they would, in fact, support this omnibus spending bill, Bob. Yeah, well, let me just mention they voted to bring it to the floor for a vote. Not all of them voted for it, so it hasn't gone to a vote yet. But it's likely that none of them will change their mind. They'll probably end up voting for it. And I think of guys like Cotton, how, how could he possibly be such a turncoat? I mean, again, it just gets back to the whole notion that... Uh, Things are almost inevitable in Washington, D.C. You hear a lot of rhetoric, but people just don't. <laughs> and this, this is, this is 4,000 pages. Yeah. Uh, there's no chance. I mean, they, these, these were given uh, the, uh, the omnibus spending package of 4,000 pages almost at the 11th hour uh, before they were asked to consider it. They, have, uh, they had no chance they could have read or considered all of, its, all of its implications, why the change in election laws would have been buried in an omnibus spending bill uh, is totally beyond me. Uh, and couple that with, and I, I don't know if it's in there, but I know that Mitch McConnell uh, yesterday, I believe, said that the most important issue facing America and the one that is being supported most strongly by Republicans is the support of Ukraine. Now, without debating whether or not any support for Ukraine is a good thing or not, to suggest it is the primary issue facing America and the one that is most widely supported by Republicans is... Uh, it's just not true, obviously, Bob. Well, they, they just demonstrates they're tone deaf. And again, back to McConnell being just part of the one party in Washington, D.C. It's the political elite pushing the whole process forward, irrespective of what's good for the American people. That's why uh, Donald Trump is so refreshing to the American people. That's why they get so excited when they listen to him, because he's offering them hope. He say he says, let's make America great again. Let's return the the." Uh, government to the people that's the way it should be and uh these people mcconnell and others they simply want to perpetuate what's currently been in existence for a long time for the power elite 
Well, speaking of Donald Trump, I, I become more and more convinced, and it didn't take much convincing to me at this point. You know that. Uh, but Donald Trump is the is the one person in this country uh, that has been able to change the direction, change the the flow of things, change the tide, as he did in 2016. Uh, I think he is the one person who can do that again in 2024. The Democrats know that. Why don't many of these Republicans know that exact same thing, Bob? Andy, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. I just wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and want to thank you so much for your contribution, too. You make the show so much better. Thanks so much for joining you, you us. You too, Bob. I'll, I'll see you soon, my friend. Sorry. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Tomorrow we've got great guests as well. Keith Flaw, Michael Cannon, Seton Motley, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett will be with us as well. And if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Uh, it's one of the ways we get the word out and support our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>